Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 94 of District of Conservation. This is your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Today's guest is Senator Cory Gardner, and Cory Gardner is the junior senator from Colorado. He was first elected in 2014 and has long advocated for conservation issues. He recently was the chief architect behind the Great American Outdoors Act, which passed with great bipartisan support, first in the U.S. Senate where he serves and then encouraged his colleagues in the House to do so as well. It is expected to be signed by the president very soon. I believe it was supposed to be done by August 1st, but hopefully it is law very soon if it already hasn't been signed into law, but it is expected to do so. And I had the opportunity to talk to the senator about his efforts behind the bill, the recent move of Bureau of Land Management to Grand Junction, Colorado, and a whole host of other things. You don't want to miss our conversation. So I hope you guys listen to the full thing, give it your full consideration, and see what Senator Gardner has to say. Here is my conversation with U.S. Senator Cory Gardner. Enjoy. Senator Gardner, thank you so much for speaking with me. Well, thank you for having me. Likewise. Could you give us a little brief campaign update and what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm excited about the race in Colorado. Uh, The work that we've been able to do from getting Space Command located in Colorado Springs to moving the Bureau of Land Management headquarters out to Grand Junction, Colorado, uh, to the passage of the Great American Outdoors Act, we have been able to take our message of accomplishment for the people of Colorado from corner to corner across our state. And I'm going to continue getting that message out to every nook and cranny of our state as we reach on toward November and ultimate victory. Very good. Yeah, I know every it feels like every media report about your race showcases that you're in a really challenging spot, but I think others will see otherwise. And I think the passage of the Great American Outdoors Act, which is your brainchild, you and Senator Danes from Montana were the primary architects and you obviously formed a bipartisan coalition. Can you talk about how historic that is and especially how it was two Republicans leading the charge for that and kind of dispel the notion that conservatives and Republicans can't be conservationists and actually we can. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a great point. I mean, you think about this country's national parks, you think about this country's greatest environmental laws, most of them put together or put forward by Republicans. You think about the work that Teddy Roosevelt did to protect our environment. You think about the work that Ronald Reagan did uh, as he was trying to say, hey, we should permanently fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And here we are uh, today to celebrate that fact. And so I, I think it shows that when you use a when you use a resource, and that's the whole point of the Land and Water Conservation Fund, when you use a resource like oil and gas or develop it for oil and gas, why don't we get something out of it so that we can conserve, protect a resource? And that's exactly what the Great American Outdoors Act does, and that's the spirit of it. Yes, we're going to recognize that we have offshore oil and gas development using federal uh, mineral rights, but we're going to take some of those revenues and we're going to put it back into 
the enjoyment of our land for generations to come. So I, I really think that's a, a conservative idea, a conservation conservative idea. Uh, no cost to the taxpayers. The fact that you're using a resource uh, as as we can in this country and, and putting it toward the protection of a resource. It really is smart policy. Uh, and, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, this idea has been around for a long time to make permanent, the funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund. But it wasn't until now that we had a commitment from a Republican majority leader to actually dedicate the time on the floor uh, to allow it to be debated. It wasn't until we had a president who said, you put it on my desk and I will sign it. And it wasn't until we had a group of bipartisan senators uh, who were willing to say, let's all work together, putting aside any political differences that we might have, to actually get this done together in one package and onto the president's desk. You know, Roy Blunt said it very well, you know, because the, the Restore Our Parks Act and the Land and Water Conservation Fund have been two longstanding programs we've been trying to get, and we've not been able to get them done until now. Uh, he, he said, I think he was quoting General Eisenhower, uh, and he said, General Eisenhower uh, used to say, how do you solve a big problem by making it bigger? And so by putting these two pieces together, we were actually to have a bigger problem that more people could support. And you had tremendous bipartisan passage out of both the House and the Senate. Right. And especially in a time of partisan divide and gridlock, it was really actually encouraging to see that uh, passed with both Republican and Democrat support. And also, I saw the stipulations that it will create this law, 100,000 new jobs. What specifically will those kind of jobs be supported in the outdoor recreation industry or similar supporting jobs? Yeah, you got it. You know, we, we came up with this idea and the agreement from the president and his support uh, long before uh, COVID-19 was ever sort of in our minds that this could uh, blow up uh, the, the schedule of the Senate and the House and the Senate would go home and not be in session. Uh, and so when we but we also knew then that it would create a lot of jobs if we could move forward on it. And that's one of the things that when we came back into session after the shelter in place orders were were sort of over is to say, hey, why don't we do some economic stimulus here using this land and water conservation fund, using the Restore Our Parks Act under the guise of the Great American Outdoors Act, no cost to the taxpayer to create these kinds of jobs. Uh, and, and, you know, the National Park Service came out with a report that said just the park provision alone. We'll create over 100,000 jobs. We know from a Boston University study that the Land and Water Conservation Fund supports between 16 and 30 jobs for every million dollars that is spent. And so, you know, what kind of jobs are they going to be? They're going to be in construction. You know, if you look at the National Park Service, they need campgrounds and sewage systems and visitor centers and roads and trail maintenance, those kinds of things. Land and Water Conservation Fund, you know, this is something that a lot of people don't realize either, that it's not just national parks or forests, that it's not just the mountains that are going to see these dollars. Every county in America, every county in America has benefited from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. 40% of it goes toward, you know, decisions by the federal government, how they're going to spend the money. But 40% of the the fund also then goes to state and local governments. And that can go toward other recreation opportunities, uh, sports complex, baseball fields, swimming pools. Uh, Every county in America will benefit from this. And it's all derived revenue from oil and gas development. Yeah, people forget that framework that is embedded in somewhat of this uh, public lands management system. And they forget that if you take that out of the equation, it's going to make it increasingly difficult to pay for these uh, critical natural treasures and and resources that we wholly enjoy and, and partake in, and, and especially these outdoor spaces that we uh, 
enjoy and 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 and, and admire and and people don't see that symbiotic relationship between the two because you see i think some of your democrat colleagues advocating for green new deal type proposals which would eliminate this and people forget that oil and gas even if they don't like it it does fund a lot of the bulk of funding for lwcf and other critical um projects in the department of interior and elsewhere yeah, that's right. You, know, you think about the jobs that we're creating and, you know, oil and gas is responsible for almost 250,000 jobs in Colorado directly and indirectly. And that's just in our state. Now, there's not much offshore drilling taking place in Colorado. Right. There's, that's a joke. There's no offshore drilling uh, taking place in Colorado. But the fact is, it's an industry that does generate tremendous economic opportunity. And those people want to recreate. They want to enjoy the outdoors, and we give them this opportunity through the Great American Outdoors Act. So, you know, you have something that's incredible for conservation, the biggest conservation accomplishment in over 50 years, and you have something that's going to create jobs at the exact point in our nation's history where we need it perhaps more than any time in our lifetime. And so it really is a confluence of all things that could have, you know, lining up to make it happen, that were necessary to make it happen. The support in the House, the support in the Senate, the support at the White House, and a public that is ready after four months in the great indoors to get into the great outdoors. Absolutely. And I think I saw, and I wrote about this at Town Hall, that one Huffington Post reporter accused you and Senator Daines of uh, partaking in political expediency to pass this because you both are up for re-election. But if you actually comb through background information, I saw that you have championed these ideas for all your time in Congress when you were also in the House of Representatives and I think even before in, in the Colorado legislature. Uh, so how do you respond to that accusation that this was done just for political means? Yeah, you know, people are going to say what they will because they're partisan sour grapes that uh, their favorite party, political party, didn't get it done. It took a Republican to get it done. Uh, you know, and that's fine. And that's uh, they're going to be what they're going to be. But I remember one of the first votes I took as a senator was to protect the Land and Water Conservation Fund. I can remember actually Senator Bennett from Colorado, they they held this vote open on the floor uh, for like 45 minutes to try to convince me to change my vote. I felt the vote was going to hurt uh, the, the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So they actually, Senator Bennett, my colleague, uh, came over, a Democratic colleague, came over to the Republican cloakroom to check in on me to make sure that I was doing all right. And so that was one of the very first votes that I had. Fast forward, you know, five, six years, we're able to get this done. Look, Democrats could have gotten this done. You know, why didn't they get it done? Well, it's because they couldn't. It took a bipartisan group at this moment in time to strike the right balance to make it happen. And so, you know, people shouldn't begrudge uh, an accomplishment because it's not the right person who did it. We got it together as a country. This bill stands on the shoulders of a lot of people who made it happen. uh, And we should celebrate that victory for the country, for Colorado and America, you know, this nation, and not just look at it through a partisan lens. Absolutely. And I think another bipartisan move, you had alluded to this a little earlier, was the move of the Bureau yeah. and, uh, Bureau of Land Management out to Grand Junction, Colorado, which actually did have support from your governor, who is no conservative, and also, I think, from Senator Bennett as well. Uh, could you talk about that move and how that has helped improve stakeholder relations? Because I know, and a lot of people understand it, that there has been a lot of conflict and distrust between BLM and private landowners and ranchers and other critical conservation stakeholders, but has that move so far improved relations? Yes, and it will continue to. And, and I remember, you know, when I talk to county commissioners, when I talk to 
farmers and ranchers, you know, they always talk about how their local field office of the Bureau of Land Management gets it. They talk about how they understand the issue and they've got the ideas that would work to solve a, a problem that they may have on resource management or uh, wildlife concerns. Uh, but it's when it gets to Washington at the Bureau of Land Management that Washington, the Potomac issues here, uh, seem to create uh, an inability to solve the problem. So it's always the locals that get it right and Washington that gets it wrong. Uh, that sounds familiar, right? So my idea was, especially it sort of reached a boiling or a tipping point, I should say, uh, when uh, I think it was Bureau of Land Management Planning Rule 2.0 was before the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Neil Cornsey, the director of BLM for Barack Obama, was talking about this rule. And every single county commissioner that I'd talked to had opposed this this rule. And I remember making a comment saying, well, if, if you would just if, if you just move your, your headquarters to, to Colorado, you'd understand why uh, people are opposed to this. And they kind of made a comment. He kind of made a comment like, well, that's we should talk about it. I thought, you know what? We should talk about it. And over the last several years, we've worked to actually say, hey, we will have better representation. We'll have more accessible leadership at BLM, more responsible decisions being made when the BLM is headquartered in the lands that it's actually overseeing and regulating uh, instead of being thousands of miles away in Washington, D.C. 99% of the acres the Bureau of Land Management oversees is west of the Mississippi River. So why don't we put the BLM headquarters there? We'll have better decisions. And we've seen that. We've seen a community that's very excited about uh, the BLM being there. Uh, you know, it's, it's in a county that is 70% public lands. So, and the view from the new Bureau of Land Management offices, it's magnificent. You can see the book cliffs right there in Grand Junction, and that's BLM land. So you are in the office of the BLM, you look out the window, and there's the land that you manage. That's going to result in better decision making. I think so. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of critics, and this is a divisive issue among conservationists and even hunters and anglers that this move uh, took place. But I think people will see that perhaps it was better. And you want the agency to be more responsive from there. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the division comes from people who are concerned, that you know, about their jobs and about moving out of Washington. And I understand that people are nervous about that. I certainly do. Uh, but some of the complaints, I mean, my gosh, there were times when they made it sound like, geez, do they even have electricity in Colorado? Uh, or, man, do we are we moving to a place without plumbing? That's what some of the critics, it sounded like they were trying to say. Uh, mm-hmm. And for those who've moved out there, I think uh, they're going to find a, a community that is uh, that is just excited for them to be there because they value the mission that the Bureau of Land Management has. Uh, I think if you ask a lot of people in Washington, D.C., what the Bureau of Land Management does, and they probably have no idea what it does, but they certainly do in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, absolutely, and this is going to make a big difference. So has bipartisan support. Uh, uh, I worry that Joe Biden, if he were to be elected president, would try to move it back to Washington because I think Biden, somebody who believes D.C. knows best, uh, and that's just the wrong approach. Those are very good concerns to have. And I wonder, actually, if that will play out in presidential politics, but that's for another conversation. Well, yeah, and I think it could play out in, in Colorado as well. I mean, uh, you know, my opponent, John Hickenlooper, <laughs> yeah. is he just going to follow jo- Joe Biden's lead and, and move it back? Or will he actually stand up for Colorado? That's a big question. Yeah, indeed, it absolutely is. I wanted to ask more kind of broadly, uh, since you are very interested in these outdoor issues and conservation were you drawn to the outdoors? Do you partake in the outdoors yourself? Because I think people want in the conservation space to know that their elected officials do have some direct connection. So I was curious to know if you do partake in outdoor activities and you have a place in Colorado that 
you're enamored with that you like that you draw your inspiration from and can kind of bring that back to your legislative. Uh, oh, absolutely. And you know, it's funny. I live in the part of Colorado that's, uh, you know, it's almost as far as away from the mountains as you can get. I live out by the Kansas Nebraska border. And so, you know, our public lands access really non-existent uh, out there. We have local parks, obviously, and, and uh, but we don't have national parks or forests uh, easily accessible. Uh, so uh, we would always uh, road trip every year with my family up uh, to, to Estes Park. We'd stay at a little cabin near Allen's Park uh, that we would uh, watch the, the the owner's dogs for two weeks. And that they would let us stay there as we watched their dogs when they took a, a vacation. So uh, we were able to enjoy National Rocky Mountain National Park, which is, you know, the third, what was it, the largest, uh, third largest uh, national park in our country. Uh, five million visitors almost uh, in terms of uh, their overall visitorship. Uh, and it's, it's incredible to, to see what, uh, what they've been able to do over the years. But they have a 80, almost $80 million backlog when it comes to uh, Rocky's mount, uh, maintenance needs. So this bill will help that. Uh, so we love to take the family still to Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, even that's something we did as kids, as I mentioned. But, you know, over the years, obviously been able to discover other places in Colorado that are just uh, spectacular um, the, the Great Sand Dunes National Park, which I actually worked on years ago with the Land and Water Conservation Fund to help uh, piece that together, is just a, a special place. It's so unique. It's the highest sand dunes in North America. Um, it's uh, in the spring, you have this flow off the mountains and uh, of water that creates an underground river in the spring. It rises above the surface. So it creates beachfront property in Colorado uh, every, every spring when that runs. And it's just a great place to take the family to enjoy. It's high, it's warm, it's nice, and just a beautiful place. I have not been to Colorado, but judging by what you said and what friends of mine have said, uh, it is very beautiful, and I would love to go trout fishing there. And if you get some, just be prepared to stay. I mean, once you go there, you may not want to leave, so just be prepared to stay. Oh gosh, yeah, I have to overcome the altitude sickness. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's you'll you'll get used to it. But uh, no, I mean, you you should try fly fishing or, or hunting more. And some of your colleagues I know do that. I, I You know, I love I love to fish. Uh, I oh, love good. to fly fish. In fact, I just went fishing here a couple weeks ago, uh, caught a nice little uh, brook trout. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I wish I could have said it was just more than a brook trout, but it was just <laughs> one. Uh, so, so we'll have to improve in my fishing. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good that uh, uh, senators like yourself do partake in these activities, because I think what often the media does is they think that you guys are all stuffy suits. You don't enjoy the outdoors and clearly that's not the case. It's judging from what you've told me here in this exchange that we've had. Well, and, and this bill proved it. I mean, it was neat to the great American outdoors act. It was kind of a neat time because we had all these senators going to the floor with these just glorious pictures of their home state and their favorite places to go. At one point, Joe Manchin, I looked over and he had like three different charts of West Virginia uh, his favorite places. And he talked about what we did. Martin Heinrich talking about where he hiked and Steve Daines talking about where he got, you know, he proposed uh, uh, to his wife and, and uh, just it's such a, a neat thing that we all share. You know, our, our public lands are considered our best idea as a country. And I think this bill represents the best of that. It certainly does. Senator Gardner, where could people follow your campaign and perhaps check out your outdoor pursuits? Yeah, if you go to CoreyGardnerForSenate.com, you can learn more about my campaign there. Uh, obviously, uh, we got a lot of information uh, on our on our website about the the race. Just look it up, Cory Gardner Great American Outdoors Act, or Cory Gardner for Senate, and uh, you'll you'll find that information as we get out across the state of Colorado. I'm excited about it. And look, you know, Colorado is a spectacular place, and I, I truly believe in every corner and every person in that state. And when you believe in Colorado, we can do anything together. And when you believe in this country, our country will continue to do great things. And that's exactly what this election is about. 
Wonderful words. Best of luck in your campaign for re-election. And thank you so much for speaking to, to me and, and my podcast listeners and those who will see this on YouTube as well. Well, enjoy, have fun, and uh, get outside. How did you like our chat with Corey Gardner? If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us if you haven't already, especially on Apple Podcasts, where most of our listeners hail from. You can download past episodes and scroll down to leave us a review if you like what you hear. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or guest announcement. We will be having many more guests coming on the podcast very soon, stemming from lawmakers to influencers to other newsmakers who are lending their voice to true conservation efforts. Thank you for listening to District of Conservation. Have a great week. Bye.